Hello, everybody. I hope you are doing well wherever you are watching our live stream here on the Props Network. Jamoke Davis here. Uh, we're on Twitch, Facebook, and YouTube. Thank you very much for uh, joining us here as we're going to talk NBA basketball. It's Tuesday, so you know who's coming on with me. Joe Walkowski, of course. But first, I wanted to take some time here on Just for Sport before we get to our NBA bubble bets. Uh, yeah, Thursday was not one of my best shows. I've basically been under the weather since then. And uh, yeah, so what I've had to do is I've actually had to take a COVID test and still waiting for the results, most likely based on uh, my symptoms. I don't have it, which is a good thing. But the doctor said I still had to self-quarantine uh, myself. So uh, what does that have to do with sports? Well, I've had to self-quarantine myself in my kids' room. That's right. I've been sleeping on a bed with PJ masks, sheets, and staying in there pretty much to myself. And, of course, he doesn't have a television in there. So then it was like, well, how am I going to watch stuff? Well, I was supposed to be trying to watch it on my phone. Yeah, I was supposed to try to watch sports and follow everything, fantasy sports, betting, watching games live on my phone. And let me tell you, folks, I don't know how you do it out there, you cord cutters. I just couldn't. I just, the screen is too small, all right? I just didn't really enjoy watching the games. Um, I basically didn't really watch games because I didn't find the experience worth it. You know, you jump on Twitter and you're trying to read comments. I like having a second screen, a laptop, right? As you look here, there you go. I'm covering myself up with it. I got a laptop. I guess I should have put it right here. There you go. You see, I got my DraftKings up right now. That's how I like to watch sports. A big television that I can see what's going on. Sometimes for a while, I used to have three televisions, but my wife said that's too much in the living room. So I'm working on building my uh, bunker, so to speak. Uh, and it's not quite there yet, still under construction. As you can see, the set's still under construction behind me. But I just, I wanted to just kind of put that out there to everyone about how is it possible that you watch any sport from your phone. And okay, maybe it's a millennial thing. I just don't enjoy it. The people are too small. You're not really watching sports as much as you're probably, you're just, the ticker is bigger than the actual people on the court sometimes. And so I ended up not even really getting to watch the final game between the Lakers and the Nuggets and the Heat and the Celtics. I just couldn't do it. And trying to keep up with keep up with the fantasy sports, and uh, you know all of all of my bets, trying to see what was going on. It's hard to do it on one screen with a phone. And I know I could have had my laptop too, and so I did have that a little bit. But I didn't really like having a. I'm not a laptop in the bed kind of a person either. Um, but it was quite a, a five five to seven week period because I'm also thinking that I'm probably going to be self-quarantined till I get the results for another 
two more days, another two days. So that's where I am. But I miss sports. I miss it so much. Watching it on the big TV um, and, and being able to chat with Joel here is really going to uh, give me renewed energy. I know you can't, can't even tell I'm sick, can you? You probably can't. But let me tell you something. I was laid up Thursday, Friday, Saturday, sick as a dog. But I'm back. And I'm happy to be back, happy to be back here on the Props Network, happy to be streaming live on Twitch, YouTube, excuse me, and Facebook here. Yeah, they say I'm a little dehydrated. I need to be drinking more. So I'm trying to do that too. But something else that I'm trying to do is win some money. Are you winning money? Are you betting on NFL, NBA like I am? You probably are. Maybe the French Open. I'm betting on that too. I got my favorites, Nadal. And Halep, let's see what happens with the two of them. At least they won their first round matches. Take some of that action to bet MGM. Why, you ask? Why? Because for a limited time, bet MGM has a special, a very, very special signing bonus just for you, just for you, for the Props Network listeners and viewers. All you have to do is create a new account. Create a new account at BetMGM and just use the code JustSport20. Just use that code, JustSport20, to get a 100% match on your first deposit of $500. That's right. Enter code JustSport20 and get up to a $500 bonus bankroll. It's all yours. It's all yours, baby. Just do it. Then you'll enjoy all that BetGM has to offer, like earning $10 free bets every week on the Money Monday Club. Uh, yeah, it's Tuesday. So Monday, Monday, Money Monday Club was yesterday. Multi-sport parlay boosters, I need that. And the best feature of all, that is my favorite feature, it's the edit my bet feature that allows players to change their bet tickets after they've been submitted. Yeah, I have to do that too. I would love to be able to do that uh, with pretty much every bet, but you can't, you can't. But you know, edit by bet feature is pretty good for some bets. BetMGM Sportsbook is live for legal betting in Colorado, Indiana, Nevada, New Jersey, and West Virginia. And that's why I say it's available for some people. I'm not in any one of those states right now, but, but I'm gonna get there soon. They're going to get there soon, rather. Excuse me, BetMGM. Try BetMGM with code JustSport20 now while the offers last. And remember, you must be 21 and over to bet. Do you or someone you know have a gambling problem? You know which number to call. And if you don't, it's 1-800-GAMBLER today. Okay, so let's talk NBA bubble bets. It's NBA Finals bubbles bet with Joel Walkowski. He'll be coming on here as we talk about the Los Angeles Lakers, as they get ready to, I think in many ways, and I want to know what Joel has to say about it, are going to be facing arguably their toughest challenge with the lowest seed that probably had a realistic chance to be there or to be here, so to speak, in this moment. And that is the Miami Heat. And as we talk about, we're going to talk about prop uh, bets. We're going to talk about our predictions for the series. We're going to talk about legacies. We're going to talk about some matchups that uh, you may not know about. Uh, Dion Waiters is in our uh, news feed, our rundown. Blackhead coaches. 
we've got a lot to get to. And uh, I want to start here as we wait for Joel to come on here. Uh, Doc Rivers was fired as a Clippers head coach. Am I? Am I? And not I'm, on I'm here? looking on, you know, social media. Uh, there's Joel. Hello, hey, Joel. what's up? I've How been you doing? here the whole time, my friend. How are we? I watched that ad read and I watched that open, and I'm just, and I gotta say, I disagreed with everything you said, Jamoke. First what? of all, I want to know know if you can get COVID through a Zoom call. <laughs> <laughs> Secondly, you know. You talked about do you do I look flush? I see you're a little red, and I know that because you have a visual indicator of what you look like happy and healthy behind you, and I see a little <laughs> bit of a Rudolph the red nosed reindeerian complexion <laughs> on the visage of my beloved co-host of this operation, Jamoke Davis. There are two other things you said that I disagreed with, and you know, I, I I'm sorry to throw you under the bus at the stop, but I have three screens. I've got all those TVs, but I've been enjoying myself with no screens. Here's what I've been doing. What? I, yeah. Like an old newspaper magnet, I've been w listening to the first half of all these NBA playoff games in the sauna, which I would also recommend not only for content consumption, but it would help with your ailments. I live in a hotel. I put it on there. And then after, with six minutes left in the second quarter, I take a shower. I watch the second half on, on television. It's a beautiful way to consume it. And like we're spoiled by, by all these TVs. The games are the games. Like I fell in love with these games from reading old Sports Illustrated. Surely a cell phone is enough. I don't know. I, I can't do it, Joel. I try my best. See, the funny thing is I'm a, I can be a radio or an audio person. But I felt like I've only really enjoyed that with baseball. Like I used to sit there and sit outside and listen to a baseball game on the radio and eat dinner. And I was okay with that. And maybe it's because it was less action that basketball is so visual that I feel like I have to, I have to see it. And I don't know, maybe it was just being in the kid's bedroom, you know, self-quarantining. It just, it just took away from it. And you know what? And I probably would have enjoyed listening to Doris Burke, who's making NBA history as a first female, as a color analyst for NBA uh, conference finals and finals. So maybe I'm going to have to do it now. Or maybe you'll enjoy Jason Kuzmicki and Scott Hastings, the color and play-by-play -play announcers for the Denver Nuggets. They did a great job. I enjoyed having them in the cedar box with me. They were sweating out their team's futures. I was sweating out my toxins. And we had a beautiful synergy there. I, I Give me that little dash of homerism. Let me imagine this amazing MJ-esque layup from Jamal Murray. That was you know? beautiful. It sounded great. <laughs> it does leave uh, more to your imagination when you're listening to it on the radio. And, and when you're in I a just... sauna, not much is left to the imagination. So you get that yeah. too. <laughs> that's very true. That's, definitely, that's very true. Um, Joel, I'm glad you're with me. I'm glad we're back together again. Every Tuesday, baby. Yeah. Um, and we're man. here with the NBA Finals loom. I'm getting ready. The only way I know how, I'm listening to Nelly's cover of Round Ball Rock. 
heart of a champion. <laughs> Let's go. Let's do it. Let's celebrate this Lakers title with a few caveats. Wow. Okay. So we're already ready celebrating the Lakers title. Well, uh, you know me, I'm firmly in the Miami Heat camp. Not, it's rare that a team outside of the Detroit area has resonated with me on such a personal level. But I see a lot of myself in Jimmy Butler. Like the way he, he conducts himself for this NBA championship is the level of psychopath I achieve to win my pickup basketball games every weekend. So, I thought you were going to say the hair and the coffee. <laughs> Um, the coffee and the no family visits. I would be right there with it. If I was in the bubble, I'd be saying, Mom, stay home. Gabby, stay home. I got another ring to win. So I get Jimmy Butler. And you know what? Is this? I talked about this on the walk-on yesterday. We know Jimmy Butler's selling coffee. Is this the long game for some sort of flu game corollary? Yeah. Oh, there's no doubt about that. Yeah, he's, I think he's spiking those coffees. You know, LeBron's going to some not sleepwalk over in the morning jimmy's filling it with laxatives getting that game one victory <laughs> there's no doubt that jimmy butler is the type of player that will do any and everything to make sure his team wins i hope he's still doing a 3 30 a.m practices but let's talk about the other la team that we both we both thought we would be talking about in the NBA Finals, and that's the Los Angeles Clippers. Were they right in getting rid of Doc Rivers? Yeah, I mean, too long had lasted with Doc as the the coach. And if there is just a new person in charge in the form of Steve Ballmer, it's con con conceivable that you're going to bring, bring your own coach in. Like... He had over a decade there. They traded for him. He did an amazing job in the wake of the Stiviano-Sterling controversy of riding the ship. But this team has been through three fluid identities. And to see a team in the playoffs, I know superstars make it hard to coach sometime, but they didn't really have an offense in the second half of that Nuggets series that I could identify. So without a system of play in, in place, I think he really had to be held accountable. Like... That was a very bad coaching performance throughout the postseason. He should have handled Dallas very easily. That matchup was so in the Clippers' favor. And the Denver Nuggets thing, that is just such a black mark on the resume. Yeah. I mean, it is, and it's sad. I mean, unfortunately, the Clippers had the fifth-best regular season winning percentage in the NBA since Rivers took over in 2013-14. Um, but to, you know, to blow – a 3-1 lead and and you know a couple of them with the clippers uh is is really sad i just also find that it's hard not to think about the narrative of how the conversation came up of blackhead coaches and the issues that they have with getting jobs after steve nash was hired by the brooklyn nets and I don't like that the conversation always goes there immediately. Um, but there were just some things that I felt compelled to ask, is it something there? Because, you know, as I listen to both sides of the Nets and to hear Steve Nash say, hey, yeah, you know, white privilege is a thing. 
but he still took the head coaching job. It's not like he said white privilege is, is a thing. And, hey, I'm going to take a backseat and be an assistant coach. Why don't we let Jacques Vaughn stay as a head coach? And I'll be an assistant under him as, and learn. No, he still said, yeah, white privilege is a thing and it's wrong, but I'm still going to take the job. And, you know, now there are only four head coaches in the NBA that are black head coaches. There were seven at the start of the season. There were 14 in 2012. And from, you know, uh, 2000 to 2010, there were average of about 10 to 11 black head coaches in a league where it's the players are 75% black. And I think it goes deeper than white privilege in that why is it a thing that somehow the narrative from the owners isn't that I want someone who can relate to these players more than X's and O's. Um, I just, I'm just curious, uh, not just from you, but just in all of my different readings of what is it that makes you say a black head coach is not right to run an organization for me. And we're not even getting in the GMs. We're not even touching on the fact that there are even less black GMs in the NBA. Uh, what's your thoughts? Okay, so can I acknowledge the institutional problem of having black head coaches? It's not been addressed in a meaningful way. You've seen guys who are kind of, I think po Patrick Ewing is probably the poster child for how hard it is to get these kind of jobs. You know, mm -hmm. he's got a pedigree kind of similar to Steve Nash, bestish player in the league for around a five-year span, never came up short, but like cerebral acknowledgments. And I do think it is something pervasive within the paradigm of the, of the game itself. However, in the most three recent examples, I don't think they quite apply. So Alvin Gentry, I think we can agree that the ship has sailed there. He needed to go. He didn't do the, the job he needed to in New Orleans. And, you know, I think the same is probably true of Doc that it seems like that might have been a mutual decision. Like, I wouldn't be surprised to see Doc end up in Houston with Austin next year. That could be good. And the, the problematic one, you, you mentioned it, I'm glad you did, was the Brooklyn Nets hire because Steve Nash, I, th I didn't like the hire. I thought Jacques Vaughn did a wonderful job. They overperformed throughout the bubble, and I could have problems with that Nash hire being an example of white privilege, but I personally believe that the if we're going to talk about empowering members of the black community, didn't that decision or originate with Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant? Like, because it was in their hands and they chose the coach, I think it's they're just wanting things to be aligned with their preferences. And Steve Nash got caught in the crossfire. Like, is Steve Nash like qualified to be the head coach? No. Do superstars have too much power on these franchises? Yes, of course. So I think you have that. They kind of brought Nash into the crosshairs because I believe I, Kyrie and Durant brought him to the front of the line and they're dealing with it as such. But and that go ahead. And that's interesting, too, because Byron Scott in a, a interview with TMZ Sports, got to give credit to them. 
that he even said, quote, our players don't do a good enough job of advocating for black coaches. That's just something we have to change as well. It's just one of the things that's going to take time. We all know that, but I think it's something we have to pay attention to. Uh, he went on to say, I wouldn't say the onus is directly on them. I don't want to put that type of pressure on the players. I do want them to stand up for black coaches, though. I think they should do a a, I think they should be a little bit more involved in the process, unquote. And I find that with the Nets, we can say, okay, maybe they didn't do that enough. But now I definitely want to know in this Clippers process where playoff P and Kawhi played, what were their parts and the other players' parts in deciding – that it's time for Doc Rivers to go, or maybe they didn't have that kind of pull in the decision for him not no longer being with the team, but will have pull in who the next hire should be. Yeah, and I believe the practices and the, the procedures that will put black head coaches into positions of power do exist, and the NBA is proactive in that regard. Like, look at just all the measures Masai has led on a global level. They do need mm -hmm. to have more coaching development, but can you really fault the hiring practices when something is just innately wrong with how coaches are hired in the NBA? The pro you know what? And you said it best. I think the, the issue when you put it into perspective is that in any business, it starts at the top. And if the top is white, and the top doesn't see a problem or doesn't want to make a uh, real change, then nothing is ever going to change. And that's the bottom line. How many black owners do we have? And we're really just talking about the NBA like right now, right? We've got one. We've got one. And that's it. So only one black owner can go into the ownership room and say, hey, we've got a problem. Now the question is, is he doing that? But the thing is, it's not like you're gonna be able to tell the owner, sell the team. And the crazy thing is, let's also remember that this one black owner, for the most part, <laughs> think about it. Who was the owner before Michael Jordan? Another Obama. black owner. Another black owner. So they are kind of the token in the ownership group. But, you know, the NBA is proactive. Now that the voices are concerned, can we let's withhold judgment of this issue, give them an offseason to address it like Adam Silver. He's had a, shown a remarkable ability to like correct the ship and be proactive about putting people in positions. And you said the number of black head coaches has declined in the past two years, leading me that. This maybe just became an issue recently, and now that it's brought to national attention right here on Just for Sport on the Props Network, <laughs> I believe some measures will be put into place in the next offseason, whenever that should be. Let's hope so. Um, let, let's hope so. And I also want to make sure that we understand we're talking about minorities in general as well, that I don't want to make it just, it shouldn't just be about black head coaches, but minority head coaches with experience. Uh, 
women head coaches. I know Becky Hammond is potentially up for one of those jobs. And what you know, organizations have championed these minority coaches? Becky Hammond comes from the Spurs. Eric Spolstra comes from the Heat. So these forward-thinking organizations, they've seen the discrepancy in how these potential assets are valued and treated, and they've, you know kind of done good work that increases their margins of return that kind of makes them look like upstanding companies as well. Yeah, no, you are right about that. Um, okay, let's move on to uh, a topic that I have been really excited to talk to you about. Uh, that's the playoff matchup and the bubbles that have burst for the Denver Nuggets and the Boston Celtics, I know you were you were overjoyed that the Boston Celtics were uh, dispatched from the NBA playoffs, and your uh, as you said, a mirror somewhat mirror image of your former Detroit Pistons teams in the Miami Heat are back in the NBA Finals. Let's start with the Los Angeles. Uh, Laker. Okay, we'll. I see right there. Actually, we'll, we can switch it up. We'll start with the Miami Heat uh, beating the Boston Celtics. Um, because I did go there. I sorry to our our greatness that is Sam that's working the captions for us. Our greatness um, that is Sam. That yes, is, that is uh, that is Mr. Kotler here. What will you remember most from that series uh, about the Miami series? About the Miami series. I'm my. My biggest moments are the block is number one. Uh, Bam Adebayo blocking uh, Jason Tatum on the the dunk to save to save game four. Gosh, I should have wrote. It was that a little down. early, I believe. It was game two to Three, give them the game two, two zero game two. lead. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Game two. Uh, Tyler Hero's performance: thirty-seven points. Youngest player since Magic Johnson, under 21, to have a performance like that. Um, and my third was in the same game with the, the Bam Adebayo block, which I think is kind of forgotten. But Jimmy Butler, to kind of, you know, stay in the air to get the and one on Jason Tatum, that was really the, the play that got Miami Heat the points they needed to win that game. And I'm ready to talk about the Heat but can I give one caveat about our de departed contenders, the Nuggets and the Celtics? These guys, they're alpha dogs. Jokic and Tatum have proven themselves. I would like to see NBA referees recognize them as superstars and give them superstar calls. In too many instances, I saw Jokic called for ticky-tack fouls. I saw Tatum called for travels that were barely travels. This is 2020. Let's give these guys the benefit of the doubt. They're some of the best the league has to offer and be treated as such. So my, my memories of this, this series will be that the Miami Heat were in complete control the entire time while not playing particularly well. They won 4-2. Their shooting numbers were down across the board. They had trouble defending Boston at times, but they had a gear they could get to, a level of grit they couldn't be matched, and my favorite thing, Bam had that block. But the most impressive thing about Bam in this series, six minutes to go, they're down six points. What's Miami's adjustment? They're going to run the offense and have the center work as a shot creator. They did a type of offense 
that has maybe never been seen in postseason basketball outside of maybe the Pelicans Blazers series a few years back. So they had Bam creating at the elbow. It opened things up for him, and I believe they ended that game on an 18-4 run. Absolutely, to quote the great Ray Donovan, magisterial. He, it was amazing. It was almost like Eric Spolstra had that in his back pocket in a championship game or, you know, in a, in the, in a, a, a series ending game. Let's throw one last wrinkle into the, the game and let's see if the Celtics and uh, Mr. Uh, Brad on the other side, coach, the coach for the Celtics, can come up with a counterpunch, and he really couldn't, and it was amazing. It, it really was, and I'm happy for Bam. I, I mean, how many Kentucky guys can we talk about are playing well uh, for for the NBA, in the NBA? This is out of control. Four players still alive. Yeah, it's a coincidence. All these Kentucky guys, they ended up being great. No, Kentucky's <laughs> Alabama of college basketball, and can I correct myself? I meant Ray Hudson, I not Ray Donovan. I don't even have Showtime, so I don't even showtime. know how I made that mistake. I'm talking about the English soccer mis- announcer, not Liev Schreiber, although he did a great job announcing that uh, – Maradona documentary. So, you know, he's there too. He's really good at doing uh, narratives. Uh, he's, I, I really like him for voiceover work. Yeah, it, All right, let's look on the other side. Lakers beat the Nuggets 4-1. Uh, best plays from, from that series. I'm going to say number one is LeBron James saving his best for last, having a triple-double uh, to eliminate the Nuggets. Next play after that is uh, as you're you're rolling your eyes. Oh my God! What what an <laughs> insufferable fanboy you you've been you've been Stockholm syndrome. You've been with this guy for two decades. It's not his team. That wasn't the best play. You're gonna take the LeBron triple double over AD having his first amazing playoff moments, dueling with Jokic at the end of game game two. Either of them, you knew the ball was going in, and then just that the- was my second one. Yeah, but that's the first one, dog, for sure. Anthony Davis having a a game ender. Like, if you're having your takeaways of, you know, Cleveland, Orlando in 2009, the first one's going to (laughs) be, even though Orlando won, you're going to say, oh, LeBron hit the buzzer beater. This is Anthony Davis having his first huge moment as an NBA superstar, and he's about to have his first ring, so you might as well get in line. Okay, I, I can give that one to you. It's also just the fact that for me, and I feel like it's, you know what, you're right, that I shouldn't discredit Davis for this, uh, but I can't help but think about how Plumley screwed up. It was like the biggest mistake any defensive player could ever make. LeBron wasn't even setting a pick. So there was even no need for him to say switch. It was the dumbest play of any playoff play in history that we should have been talking about. It was the number one mistake he made. Yeah, but what is that? What's the inherent value that makes that play significant plumbly messing up? It's that a seven, you couldn't leave a seven foot one guy open 20 feet away from the basket. That's the issue of significance. That's Anthony Davis doing something that no NBA player in history has done. So is the story... No, but what do you mean no player in history? He hit what? I got to go back to the box score. I think he hit two three-pointers. I know one of them before that shot from the exact same spot. 
Okay, Plumlee but- should have been on his back the entire way. He shouldn't even gotten the ball. Absolutely, but the the skill set of Anthony Davis goes against everything we've seen in basketball history. There isn't a guy with that frame or size with his skill set. So the Pavlovian conditioning of Plumlee through every big man camp, Pete Newell learning defending the post moves. He sees that guy get the ball 25 feet from the hoop. Of course, he's not going to defend the center there. He made a little brain fart. But that's just the greatness of Anthony Davis, and it's not exciting. It's not visually dynamic like Steph or LeBron or even Harden. He's just good. He's fundamentally sound, and he's got the best body to succeed in the NBA, provided it holds up. He is good. And actually, uh, to, to pivot a little bit, he's the only player jersey that I will wear outside of, I think the only other jersey I've ever bought is Didier Drogba. Um, I have an Ivory Coast uh, jersey from the World Cup. Oh, the Cote d'Ivoire jerseys are friggin' awesome. That I will wear, that I wear, because I don't, I, I've never really worn jerseys with other players, with players' names on the back. And when I was younger, I saw that there were players with the last name Davis. So I just, I buy Davis jerseys, and that's what I do. Okay, so yeah, I, I, I've talked about the Joel Walkowski jersey rule here. We don't need to get into the finals, but I also, I can only wear jerseys of players who I play like. I own a Draymond Green, an Andre Drummond, a Montrez Harrell, and I have a Bill Walton that I'm not good enough to wear anymore. <laughs> no Lambeer or Rodney? Oh, I, I, yeah, I got Lambeer too, so sorry. Okay, okay. That, okay. that one goes without saying. Okay. All right. Well, what goes without saying for most of the Laker nation and beyond is that the Lakers were going to be in the NBA finals. And that's what we have here. A matchup between the number five seed in the Miami Heat and what really, come on, Joel, the number one seed was staring us in the face. Why were we and everyone else saying, oh, the Clippers? Oh, it's the Clippers. This is the Clippers. The Los Angeles Lakers are the number one seed. What was wrong with us? Because who do we have here right now ready to win the title is the Los Angeles Lakers. Well, it's hard to support an enterprise that you have to admit it has two of the five best assets in the sports. But I think they're an affront to basketball and what the characteristics that have been present in championship teams. Basketball. Absolutely. A championship team is something built over time. You overcome, you slowly build your rotation and the Lakers, they didn't do a single thing right in terms of team building, player development, rounding out their roster, etc. This is a team we talk this is a team steered to its destinies by superstars who want to live in Los Angeles. And yet again, the geographic proximity of the ocean is gonna be determined is will determine the NBA champion. So that so let's I have that a little further down the rundown, but we're gonna go right into it because you're talking about it right here. When can we look back? How far back can we go for a championship that we say that team was built through the draft, that they didn't pick a you know, top name player to get them over the top or two players in this case that they got LeBron and Anthony Davis. And the amazing thing is I think we can go back to that first Golden State Warriors championship and that second year that they maybe should have won that they lost to a LeBron team that was built through 
free agency and having a lot of money and putting the team together. Uh, because realistically, I wonder if you go back through history, you'll find that teams have been doing this forever. I mean, heck, my hometown, Washington, one championship. How did you get that championship? By drafting well, Wes Unseld? What, drafting with Wes Unseld, yes. But they traded for Bobby Dandridge, who many will say was one of the big reasons, along with Elvin Hayes, was another big trade, that that's how they build a championship. So it's not really through the draft. Maybe it never really has been. But in our mind, that's what we think of how a team is built. But it's never really been that way. I, I would have to disagree with you here. I do think the Lakers are the exception. Let's take last year, for example. Kawhi Leonard was a Toronto Raptor, sure. But it's not like he chose to go to Los to Toronto. It's not like he didn't determine his fair market value with GM trades. Toronto, they did a good job drafting players, cultivating underused assets, and getting the best out of all 15 guys on their roster. And they were able to exploit what they created by trading DeRozan, Podal, a few other assets for Kawhi Leonard. They got a title. That simply isn't the case with the Lakers where Anthony Davis held the Pelicans hostage, forced his way to the Lakers. LeBron signaled that he wanted to go there the entire time, and they rounded out the supporting cast after the fact. There isn't a degree of planning. It, this was just reacting to the machinations of superstars and is a different team model of team building that is, I really don't see a historical correlation for this particular Lakers team. No, I mean, I definitely, look, we all know LeBron James basically chose the Lakers because he wanted to be in Hollywood so he can, it would be easier for him to shoot Space Jam scenes. No matter what team LeBron James went to, they probably were going to be in the NBA Finals at some point before his career is over, assuming that the Lakers are going to be the last team. I agree with you from that perspective. I just think that trades and players going to specific teams have always been a part of the NBA. We just don't focus on it the same way as much as we do now where there are debates and talking about it and, and making it a topic of conversation and you know degrading a championship or not. Because uh, obviously the bubble is going to be another thing that people and bring I, up. I won't degrade that championship. I think this is a high degree of difficulty and the Lakers deserve all the credit of the world. No asterisk whatsoever. I just think it's interesting and historically significant. Just, you know, this is like the best restaurant in town being a chain restaurant. Mm -hmm. Like, <laughs> there's no local character. There's no ties to the community. It's just an amalgam of what some millionaires thought would work. So the Lakers win if what? They Miami needs to shoot forty percent from three. Um, my, they're so my, Miami has a chance in this series, but they need the variables to go in their direction. Miami needs to play perfectly. They need the three bodies that I think they're going to throw on LeBron, uh, Butler, Crowder, Iguodala to do their jobs, and they need Bam with probably a little. I think we're going to see a little. Um, is it is it crazy to think we are going to see a ah, brain fart here? He played in Portland. Myers Leonard might be into the mix a little bit. Myers Leonard. That's right. Uh, speaking of another player into the mix. Hey, Milwaukee might not have made it to the finals, but 
a Antetokounmpo was in the NBA Finals. That's right. Costas plays for the Los Angeles Lakers. Just throw him in there. Let him win a ring before before Giannis. That won't be good. And on the other side, we have Antetokounmpo versus Leonard in the Finals, just like we all picked before the season. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. So I my thing is that the Lakers win, like you said. If defensively they can stop the Miami Heat because outside of LeBron and Anthony Davis being if you had to grade the top players on both of these rosters combined one and two would be LeBron and Anthony Davis three would be Jimmy Butler four you got to give it to three. Bam now after after that okay after I was going to say Bam is my four so you say Bam's three I'll take that Bam three Jimmy four Tyler Hero, five. I would put Goron, five, but I like your Goron thinking. Goron, five. Tyler Hero, six. I mean, Duncan we Robinson, go seven. Um, yeah, you might keep, maybe you put Rondo, seventh, but. Maybe, the, the, but what, the Lakers roster is not built to be able to contend with how deep the Heat rosters is, as, as at least especially, especially when you talk about offense. Yeah, and you kind of saw it play out in the Celtics series and just the playoffs as a whole. Miami's not a great first quarter team. What they really establish their success is when they bring Hero and Robinson in with that second unit, and then they kind of just beat up other teams' second units. And by the time the starters are back in there, they're digging out of a hole. Miami, they've got that pit bull mentality, and it's hard to take it away from them. So, I, I am, mean, there is. Go ahead. I mean, what go what how does Miami win this? Because on the other side of the coin, I'm railing against the Lakers team building. It is a top-down, cohesive organizational effort. Every player fits a certain role. Every player is developed to just ex- succeed as much as they possibly can within the limitations assigned by the Miami Heat franchise. They know what they're doing. They know how they're going to do it. And on the other side of the coin, we saw a team that was fighting to establish its rotations in the middle of the game two series with the Rockets. I think that Miami can win. I echo what you say in terms of, you know, this roster has to, this team has to be perfect because you are playing against two of the top players in league history and they are going to carry this team as they have before um i think you're gonna need players you know maybe even like a jay crowder you know dig dig deep and and get a little bit more out of a andre igudala uh you know duncan robinson you're going to be asking players to play not only playing in the nba finals but play at a level that you cannot have, and I'm not calling them out for this, but if you're Tyler Hero, you can't have a 37-point game in one game and in the, and follow that up with a nine-point game. You can't. You can. because I don't know. It's, it's not as complicated as you think because it's a team predicated on shooting and getting to the free throw line. They either take threes or they, or they go to BAM or they have Jimmy trying to get to the line. They actually play Houston Rockets-era math ball but unlike the Rockets teams of years past, they counterbalance it with an amazing level of grit and physicality. 
So there isn't a type of basketball they can't play. So if they're just giving the Lakers headaches with just being annoying with their matchups on Davis and LeBron, and then they're hitting those random Drogic, Hero, Robinson threes, you know, if they hit 40%, there isn't a thing the best players in the world can do. Like, is Steph Curry the best player in NBA? in this level of NBA? No, but he, he has the most advantage when the math comes into play. And that's where Miami has a puncher's chance. And I hate to cite this fact, Nate silver of five thirty-eight. I love their Raptor metrics. They actually favor Miami to win this series. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 74 according chance. to five thirty-eight, the Los Angeles Lakers only have a 26% chance to beat the Miami heat in the NBA finals and the action, the early action was going towards the heat. It shifted the line quickly. Yeah. And like LeBron will likely win this title, but the recipe for LeBron losing a finals is to just be bombed away with threes. That's what Miami can do. And if they're doing that and frustrating the best players, that's how they have the best shots. I think um, the argument of Spolstra and Riley is interesting, but ultimately a bit empty calories. So yeah, I think it will just come down to whether these wingmen on Miami hit their threes. Okay. Uh, let's, uh, let's go to series correct score. I wanted to talk to you about player and team legacies, but we kind of touched on that a little bit already. Uh, give me your prediction with your heart and then with your mind for the series. Um, with my heart, the Lakers realize, you know, how AAU basketball has fundamentally hurt the sport and they just concede. They recognize the beauty and the complete vision with this Miami Heat roster. And they say, you know what? LeBron needs his fourth ring, but we need basketball to thrive in this country. So we're, we're stepping aside and we're letting Miami take the crown. Heat, one to zero, given the concession. That's my heart prediction. <laughs> that's, wait, that's your heart prediction for game one? No, a whole series. Lakers decide it's for the best if Miami gets the oh, ring. Okay. They see the errors of their ways and their team building and their roster construction, and they inspire us all by letting the Miami Heat have the title. And what? Is it four? They win the title 4-2? No, 1-0. One zero, one zero. They don't even play it. Oh, that's, oh. The, that's, that's <laughs> okay, my okay. heart's prediction. That totally went over my head, Joel. <laughs> yeah, no. The Lakers are like, you know what? We've watched the Miami Heat, too. They've earned this. You know, we, we had our run, but we just want to get into production for Space Jam 2. Let the, let the great NBA team be crowned as the best NBA team. The coronavirus shut down, shut down production, so we're kind of behind on finishing the film, huh? Absolutely. Do you have a heart prediction? Um, I do have a heart prediction, and it is torn. My heart is torn. I love the Miami Heat story. I love the Eric Spolstra story. I love the Jimmy Butler story. I love another story that we're going to get into later that I'm just going to tease, but I'm not going to say what it is. But also from the DMV perspective, I, I'd love to see Quinn Cook get a title. You know, uh, I'm, 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 let's just say JaVale McGee's in my phone. So uh, I, you know, we go way back. And it's I enjoy all of the success that he has had over his career. So to get a title, it would be exciting to kind of see him continue to further his successes as well. But it's tough because uh, I think in the end, my heart says uh, he I, I'm going with the heat. 
Yeah. That's my that's my heart pick. Heat four two. Yeah, and I, again, if Miami wins this, it probably won't be in seven games. They have to win it in six, I would think. And you know they're so resilient. If they could get the Lakers back on their heels, the Lakers have a lot of guys who might not be emotionally ready for this. I'm looking at you, Dwight Howard, <laughs> and like they're going to be able to exploit the, the hot-headedness of it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, okay, the prediction with your mind. Uh, Lakers, 4-1. Lakers, 4-1. Wow, you can get the series price. You get the Lakers at minus 358, the Heat at plus 300. My prediction with my mind, uh, I'm just going to flip that. I'm going to say uh, the fact that Nate Silver is saying that you know, the Lakers aren't that much of a favorite. I think I'm going to stick with my pick of the Miami Heat 4-2. Oh, wow. I'm, I'm with it. I thought about being the contrarian, thinking you were going to go Lakers here, so I'm glad one of us had the, had the cojones to do it. That I think we both have talked about how Miami Heat are not underdogs. If anything... We have underappreciated the kind of basketball that we've been watching, the way the organization has built this team that, no, they're winners, and they have continued to be champions. They have won a, a title with Dwayne Wade and without LeBron, but with Shaquille O'Neal. They won a title with Chris Bosh and LeBron James and saw them go away, had to let Dwayne – well, not – they sent Dwayne Wade packing and then welcomed him back. But this organization under Pat Riley, as we talked over the course of the, the NBA bubble, that this organization has, they know what their culture is and their culture is about winning. And I think in this case, you were going to see Eric Spolstra out coach Frank Vogel. And or even in this to... case, Rajon Rondo, LeBron James, whoever is the Lakers coach. We there's no <laughs> way of knowing. We know who's holding a clipboard, but yeah. I would argue maybe there are five black black head coaches in the NBA right now. <laughs> That's a good one, Joel. That's okay. not a joke. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm taking Lakers. I mean, you're taking Lakers. I'm taking Heat. Who is your? Are you taking LeBron or the field for the Finals MVP? Oh, I'm taking Anthony Davis. 100%. He's a two-to-one payout. He's the best player in this series. So I think it's crazy that I wouldn't, that he's not the favorite. And if my, right. if Miami's going to win, yeah, Goran Dragic, one of Whoa. the great playoff performers in this chapter of the NBA is 20 to one. And the Lakers, their biggest flaw is guarding on the perimeter. I know Rondo's great with deflecting passing lanes, with causing disruptions, but Goron's going to get his throughout this series. I like it. That's really that's really cool. Okay, Goron. I'm go if it's if it's Lakers, I'm going Anthony Davis too. Um but if it's if it's the Heat, I think I'm going Bam. I think Bam showed something different here. I think Anthony Davis may have a hard time, harder time guarding him, or if it's or if it's uh, Dwight Howard or JaVale McGee. I'm thinking that it, it, there's a good chance that's who I'm picking. It's Bam as the finals MVP. And what, what a dig to the NBA would that be for most improved player? Uh, yeah, it should have been Bam all along. And look where Bam is. 
and you picked a guy who there's no way in my mind and Brandon Ingram should have been most improved player of the year. Yeah, because he was probably that good the entire time. The Laker, he was just a Laker, and they didn't know how to use him because they didn't care about figuring out how to use him. Because they punted on three great young players because they didn't give a shit about him because they knew this was coming. And they that's did. why we're yep. cheering for the Heat here at Just for Sport and the Props Network. Yeah, pretty much. You got that one right. Um, okay, so let's go to the game. We've got Game One tomorrow night, nine o'clock on ABC. Point spread. We've got the the Lakers at minus five, at minus one ten. The over under at two seventeen and a half. You can get the over at minus one twelve and the under at minus one oh nine. And the money line Heat at plus one seventy five, and the Lakers at minus two fifteen. Who are you taking in game one? Um, I'll go Lakers and the under here. I love the under because I do believe that there's going to be a big scheme from Miami that's designed to drag Anthony Davis away from the basket, and it'll make their offense a little bit more efficient, but they might there might be more two-pointers than you would initially expect in the first half. Uh, I am taking the Heat plus five, but I am taking the under. I think that these teams will be feeling themselves out, and I think it's going to be a much closer game. Yeah, I feel that. I just, I've noticed, I've been wagering on the Lakers more than you would expect me to, given our (laughs) conversations. And I did notice they have a very nice tendency to cover. So if you're going to, if you're going to back anyone with the points here, I think if you buy a half point on the Lakers, four and a half is a beautiful spread here. And like, I just expect the Mar- I expect Miami to win outright or the Lakers to win by I think it'd be 7 or more. I think that line is really nice for the Lakers there. So maybe I could take the Lakers and find that alternate spread instead of just going with what's yeah. offered. Personally, uh, I'm parlays. Personally, Go I'm going to throw out a Miami to win the series bet. I'm going to throw up my hands, put them behind my head and relax and then, you know, if I were to do that, I would look Lakers money line and the under. Lakers money line and the under. Okay, game parlays. Uh money line total points parlay. Lakers and over, Lakers and under, heat and over, or heat and under. You can get Lakers and over at plus 195, heat and under at plus 400. Yeah, I got to stick with the Lakers and the under here. I didn't mean to just steal your lead here. I just, that appeals to me. I'm back in that all the way. Lakers and under is at plus 195 as well. And you could okay. probably get as good. A, you might be able to get better as we talk about shopping for lines here. See yeah. what the, if you're going to place that, see what the payout is by just parlaying them yourself. Sometimes you can get better value from just doing the work for the sports book. See, you not only get our picks, but you get our education as well. Or rather, Joel education. He's a professional gambler here. He's the host of the walk-on. He does an action, which you got to see me destroy my reputation as someone who knows NBA sneakers. Yeah, but luckily you were bailed out. We did an action on the walk-on last night, and you no longer have the worst performance in an action history. (laughs) 
Our poor guy, Brian, over here, he had back spasms. We had tech issues. But, of course, Donnie and I had a fun little, like, tangent planned where we had to name Browns quarterbacks. He put up an O for just like the Browns did in their 0-16 season. Wow. As soon as you said that, first thing that came to my mind was Bernie Kosar. It was, like, easy. At least I I get one. Yeah, you would have gotten one. Brian did not. But I think that's more of Brian having a tough day than anything else. Wow. Okay. Player. Wow. Player props. Uh, anything that you like here? Uh, points over under. Points, rebounds, and assists combined. That's one of my favorites. And then, of course, I like to go all the way over to top point score and pick someone really random. Like you can get. Well, not random, but you can get Tyler Hero at plus four thousand. Ooh, those are good odds for Tyler. And I would just take a flyer on Tyler or Duncan Robinson. The looks will be there. Duncan Robinson plus 10,000. Now that's one that I took that I totally failed on uh, in in my last pick. I'm trying to remember who it was that I took him at plus 10,000 and it just didn't come to fruition for me. Oh, Michael Porter Jr. for the Nuggets. I thought he'd have a good game, but never came, came to fruition for me. Okay, uh, so those are our picks there. Uh, I've got some great stories for Joel and I to get into uh, on the other side of this short break with our last second shot. The Props Network has you covered if you want to bet on the NBA bubble. And here's your last chance because we're at the NBA Finals. Just go to the Where to Bet page on the PropsNetwork.com and get free bets and bonuses from legal sports betting sites in your state. Right now, you can get $20 free bets, no deposit required from Unibet. A 100% deposit match bonus from Bet Rivers, as well as exclusive sign-up bonuses from DraftKings, FanDuel, PointBet, BetMGM, and more. Remember, it's 21 and over to bet. Do you or someone you know have a gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER today. So, Joel, I thought you would really like these stories that I've got coming. Go to Unibet you. to bet on the Unibrow. How, what a beautiful story. Yes. Oh, oh man. Uh, <sighs> Unibrow. Dwayne Wade, uh, Magic Johnson put this out there on a tweet. Who are you rooting for, Dwayne Wade? Heat Nation or LeBron James and Laker Nation? And Dwayne Wade said Heat Nation. That's about what I expected him to say. There was no chance that he was going to say, oh, I'm rooting for the Lakers now. Yeah, Magic but, Johnson showing off that amazing social awareness of his, huh? Of course he's going, why would, why would, why would Dwayne Wade cheer for the Lakers here? That's inconceivable. Why are you putting him on the spot, Magic? Come on. Dwayne Wade said, we can call this a win-win, but it's Heat Nation over here. You know, this is good for the NBA, getting them talking about the getting them talking about the two teams like this it's almost like it was scripted like the nba was like hey why don't you put this tweet out magic and let's get people talking about the nba again because realistically i don't know maybe they're talking about the nfl more now yeah, and that is just the standard for a magic johnson tweet it's something simplistic that you would wonder for two seconds and then <laughs> just put it out there to the world like no sophistication has ever come from that twitter feed <laughs> and I'm reading the the Jeff Ber Perlman, the Three Ring Circus, the new Laker book. There's a lot of Magic John. You got to get that one. Five star book. There's a lot of like anecdotes related to Magic's comeback that like 
maybe he's not the greatest Laker of all time, huh? What? That book. Well, they, go ahead. Yeah, that, that book's amazing. Read it. We'll have a little book club. I think I have Jeff Perlman coming on the walk-on soon, so that'll be a blast. I I, I personally think that uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is the greatest Laker. I got to go Kobe, but... Kobe? Yeah, I mean, Kareem had his other spots and, like, you know, didn't have the best reputation throughout his Laker career. So, same's true for Kobe, but I think Kobe is just that franchise in a nutshell. Okay. Uh, This is one of the best... uh, Maybe if you're a basketball head, maybe if you're somewhere following Instagram stars... And what goes on with them, you know this already, but you know, hey, we're here to discuss it, debate, have a good time with it. But Tyler Hero's current girl girlfriend, Katya Elise Henry, is the former girlfriend of Kyle Kuzma. You think there'll be any bad blood there? I, I can't wait to see her sitting in the uh, Ultra Bar, the Budweiser virtual seats, because... If she's there in the bubble, uh, that may cause even more of a controversy than what we have right now just talking about it. Yeah, and thank you for mentioning that on the pod. Now I, my my girl will be like, hey, why are you following Katya Elise Henry? And I was like, it's, it's for work. <laughs> You're talking about where she's seating. And you know what? Her Instagram just only features her seat. So you know anyone who's interested in the NBA Finals, go to that page as soon as you can. It will be the page that you want to follow. If I am still self-quarantined and all I have is a phone, it will be one of the the pages that I'm going to make sure to see what's going on, what's really going on in the NBA bubble. It's the the new Instagram account I follow after NBA bubble now because it's got all the juice, juiciness, and drama you want of any NBA finals matchup. Absolutely. And you, you want to see a love triangle if you can't see the triangle offense. So the Lakers, it gave they gave us what we expected. <laughs> yes, they did. And now the Miami Heat and Tyler Hero, the Kentucky Wildcat, is enjoying himself in the bubble. Maybe a little bit more now. Maybe a little bit more. Dion Waiters. Dion Waiters is getting a ring no matter who wins because, for those of you who didn't know, he started the season with the Miami Heat. Now it has to get voted on by the by the Heat players if they're really going to give him not just a ring, but give him a share of the the pot that they get for making it to the NBA Finals and in in you know winning it. But uh, either way, Dion Waiters, this is a win win situation for him. Unfortunately, the the precedent has been set last year by the Toronto Raptors. They were very stingy with the rings. They didn't give one to Jonas Valanciunas, who played 40 games, watched their playoff games from the seats, and was just generally a Raptor fan. So if JV doesn't get one, there's no way the Heat are giving Deion Waiters a ring. Well, maybe they give him a ring if on, you know, if it's not, well, that was J.R. Smith in the bubble playoffs who stepped on the out-of-bounds lines and hit a, a three-pointer, hit the backboard. You know, maybe Deion Waiters makes a bad play or two to help the, the heat out in the game. And maybe it's not on purpose. Maybe it is on purpose. But maybe then the Miami Heat would say, okay, you're the Deion Waiters that we remember why we released you. So we'll give you a ring because you helped us win this one. Yeah, and if you're spending hundred grand on a piece of jewelry to throw shade, 
my hat's off to you. So get, that's the way to comport your business. That's why the Miami Heat are a well-run synergistic franchise that from a karmic perspective deserves this ring. Heat in one. Heat in one. Heat in one. Hey, hey, listen, for everyone that's been enjoying this live stream on Twitch, Facebook, and Instagram, if nothing else, we've talked about this entire this entire live stream, these last two topics should have given you reasons to be watching the NBA Finals because it's going to be a blast, and Joel and I will enjoy it. Uh, Joel, thank you so much for jumping on with me. I really appreciate it. Of course, I always love talking NBA with you. This yeah. was great. Enjoy watching the Finals in your son's bed. Oh, yeah. I'm going to try my best without a television. Back to the radio. Doris Burke, here I come. Or maybe I'll listen to you and, and just go with the local radio team because I'm, you know, then I'll get that Homer kind of listen. Love the is... local radio team. If the Miami Heat has a local radio team, who knows? All right. Make sure to follow Joe Walkowski on the Walk One. He's on Twitter at the Walkowski. Uh, he's done in action. Uh, it's just a great guy. I hope you've enjoyed it. Thank you very much for watching our live stream on the Props Network. Ciao for now.